Welcome to HR Unpacked, a podcast about HR workplace issues, where we analyze and then discuss the latest developments in HR and employment law that impact both employers and employees. Each episode, we unpack the latest legislation and regulations to provide practical guidance on how to tackle the HR issues that are affecting the world of work. Welcome, Kate. Yeah, good afternoon, Jonathan. Um, great to be back. So, uh, yeah, HR Unpacked, our last session was all around everything to do with covid and we thought what we'd do today is, is kind of take it forward a step and talk about the litigation and the issues as fingers crossed we, we hopefully move out of COVID. So um, we've got a special guest who is my colleague, James Potts. I don't know if you want to introduce yourself, James. Certainly not special, but happy to introduce myself. Uh, James Potts, I'm the Legal Services Director at Peninsula. Um, I've worked in litigation roles, particularly with Peninsula, for the last 13 years. Uh, we've never been through uh, an experience quite like we have over the last two years, um, but it remains to be seen the impact in terms of litigation cases moving forward uh, and how they're going to impact on the tribunal system generally across the country. And we've got some interesting cases to talk about. Brill. Thanks, James. Um, I work really closely with James day in, day out, but I think it's really good for have for us to have um, that insight really into specific um, case-specific, fact-specific cases that are starting to trickle through um, as it stands and, and really interesting to dissect them. So thanks for coming, James. Um, You're welcome. You know, James touched on it there, that the last 15 months, wow, what, what 15 months, so many challenges to tackle, changes in legislation, changes in government guidance, safety at work issues, and businesses have had to make difficult decisions with, on occasion, let, let's be honest, quite vague guidance, and some of them are now getting challenged. So as touched on, we're going to dissect some of those cases, in particular the case of Alette versus Scarsdale Grange Nursing Home. James is going to talk about the, the fact-specific issues around that and what's materialising. Um, so I think with that, without further ado, I suppose back to yourself, Jonathan, just to talk around some of the the timeline and, and regulations around particularly mandatory vaccine in, in care homes and, and the healthcare sector. Thanks, Kate, and uh, welcome, James. Great to have you have you on the um, on the podcast. It has been a roller coaster, and it and it hasn't ended yet. We all thought we were getting somewhere in terms of what the government um, were going to put through in terms of the law, but now um, it looks like they're going to backtrack a little bit. But let's look at what's actually happened in terms of the mandatory vaccination policies of the government. In November 2021, um, it was compulsory for all those working in, in care homes in England, at least, um, to, be, to be vaccinated. And the intention was by April 2022 um, that all those uh, NHS staff, uh, patient-facing staff anyway, um, had to be vaccinated as well, as well as those working under the Care Quarter Commission regulated services. So the intention was for the government to really force um, employers to say to the staff that you have to be vaccinated if you're working in those environments. However, it looks like they're backtracking a little bit now. And at the moment, um, the health secretary um, has stated that they intend to remove the mandatory vaccine laws that were due to come in fully in April this year. They've, they've had some consultation over the last couple of weeks in February, and they'll announce over the next few weeks what the intentions are in terms of mandatory vaccinations. So it look, does look like at the moment, and we will go on to discuss this during the podcast, that staff won't be um, forced to have the to be to be fully vaccinated. 
that may change again. We never know. We don't know what's going to happen with the various uh, variants of, of COVID. But it does look like the Manchester vaccines um, legislation will be removed. The government have said, however, before we look at the impact of that, the government have said that they still believe that people who do work in a health and social care setting do have a professional duty to be vaccinated against COVID-19. So they will still be talking to the kind of regulators around health and social care about what they're doing to minimise the risk um, of people who work in that sector and also the, the people who receive services as well. So that's the kind of stance at the moment. What do you think has been and will be the impact of not only the 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 government's insistence that initially it was a mandatory vaccine, but now the kind of removal of that. What's been the impact of, of, of do you think, of employers and employees going through that and then now realising they won't have to be vaccinated? It's, it's been a really, really trying times for everybody. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan, we've got a, a care advisory team here at Peninsula um, and I just use the word confusion and being in limbo. Uh, th- those those are the, the true... That's truly the way care organisations are feeling at the minute from the conversations we're having with our care client base. It, it's a really difficult time. They've been they've been through a difficult time of, of embracing the, the fact that you know the man, the vaccine was is, was mandatory. That was the directive, and the, many of them have gone through the full consultation process. Some have dismissed, they've, they, and now they're being told, well, in fact, it's probably going to change, and you're likely to be able to have those people back. So general confusion, unrest, disengagement, and I think that's reflected in, you know, attraction and retention. I saw something on BBC News. I think it was it was either yesterday morning or the day before. You, your days go fast, but this was a care organisation saying that they had 500 vacancies. Now, granted, it didn't tell us the overall staff within the business, so we could work that out as a, as a percentage, but just think 500 alone that is massive so you know they're going through a period of unrest where they've got people partway through consultation they've got people dismissed they've got people not applying for jobs because it's uncertain and and that's just causing a real problem in an in an industry that's been challenged for the last 15 months in a in an array of ways that we've seen in the media so that's the real theme that's coming through from our client client base what what do i do now how, how do i navigate this and that's why you know they need expertise from the likes of ourselves to support answer those questions but we wait with with bated breath on the consultation which you know ends today and that should give us some clear guidance hopefully she says clear guidance on on where we go from here but it's that general confusion jonathan and uncertainty that's causing the real problem yeah, and and it's and it's quite easy to blame the government, I suppose. But you know, they're, they're trying to navigate, you know, the pressures that they have on on the economy, on society as well, and you know, but 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 they are in charge, and and they've got to come up with what the guidance has been, what the guidance is, because like you said, employers need need really clear guidance on this. They, re- they really need to say, okay, this is what this is how we have to behave. This is what we have to do in terms of our our employees and staff members. Because there's going to be so many challenges, and hopefully, you know, James will discuss this. There's going to be so many challenges to these to, to the vaccination rules and regulations about whether people want to to have the to have the vaccination or not. Because it, even though the mandatory vaccination rules will probably be rescinded, it's more than likely that employers may, through their own ethical reasons or business practice reasons, may want staff to be vaccinated. 
And even if they're not able to get current staff vaccinated, there must be surely something in the in the pipeline around future employees having in their contracts of employment that they have to be vaccinated. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know whether it's worth, James, but passing over to you at that point, because we're getting queries around contractual, well, the, the, the desire to have it as a contractual term. And we're drafting wording around that. But, but clearly, that may, will, inevitably will get challenged in some cases. So I don't know whether, James, it's worth passing to you at that stage for your view on that. Sure. And I think there's there's also a possibility that, you know, we're sat here today when the consultation is due to end. And whilst the regulations might be rescinded, uh, removing the mandatory requirement in law, there may also be regulators, the CQC, for example, who insist that a particular care home through the course of uh, their inspection powers um, review the vaccination status in order to continue authorization they, they, they may push uh, the requirement for for employees to be mandated m- mandatory vaccinated onto the regulators in order to kind of police that so that that's one possibility but interestingly the the case that we're we're, we're going to look at today it, it it comes before um the regulations were were in effect and the, the tribunal had to consider the reasonable reasonableness of the employer's decision to dismiss against the employee's uh decision not to take up the opportunity to be vaccinated uh, and that comes down to general employment law principles of reasonableness and uh, and key considerations as to whether it was safe uh, in that in those particular circumstances of that case for the employer to make a decision on behalf of its organisation, considering the rest of its workforce, considering the rest of its service users, uh, and considering whether the decision was in the band of reasonable responses to dismiss this particular employee. Um, so it might be worth us just working our way through that case uh, at the minute. It, 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 it relates to a period of time where, if, if we think back to it, there was obviously a, a really uh, heightened sense of um, consideration about vaccination at the time. We're talking about a, a period of time, December 2020, and the employee's refusal was around uh, January 2021. Um, and in this particular case, what the care homes insurers were saying was that they were considering not providing public liability insurance for this particular care home because they'd recently had a, had an outbreak of COVID. And the employee in question was the only uh, care home worker who was at that stage unwilling to, to take up the opportunity to be vaccinated. So it's very case specific very fact specific but in this particular case the tribunal upheld the employer's decision to dismiss this employee based on the circumstances that it faced at that time Um, so i think we'll probably move into a position where tribunals are going to have to make those types of decisions based on either what the law was at the time so whether the regulations were in were in effect or more likely moving forward the reasonableness of any decision based on the specific circumstances that the um, care provider for example finds itself in so they're all going to be really key considerations but ultimately following a proper process, having a clear 
policy and communicating that regularly um, with employees going to be fundamental to how the employers manage that particular issue. And presumably, James, things like not one size fits all. So if an organisation does take that approach in terms of mandatory vaccinations and making it contractual, etc., the exemption or exceptions, should I say, um, maternity, medical reasons, you know, I'm assuming we're going to see a lot more challenge around specific facts and circumstances around such things like that. Well, yeah. And interestingly, in this particular case, the employee asserted um, a a reliance on a protected characteristic that she was a practicing Rastafarian. Uh, What the tribunal say is that that uh, justification or reason for refusing to take the vaccine wasn't evident at the time that she was asked to take it. And and that reason only materialised once she was in uh, a formal process in a disciplinary setting. Um, and the tribunal took issue with that. They say that the, the, the reason that she gave initially um, wasn't the, the real reason that she now purported to put forward in relation to her, uh, her belief and her, her, her practice. So that is going to be, a, a, again, a key consideration. Um, we've obviously had cases uh, work their way through the tribunal in relation to philosophical belief. The recent case, uh, which was anonymised involving X and Y, was heard at the Manchester Employment Tribunal on the 26th of November. And that related to whether or not COVID or fear of COVID amounted to a philosophical belief. And what the tribunal have said in that particular case is that they, they, they've been unwilling to accept that fear of COVID in these particular circumstances of that case where the employee in question who was refusing to come back into work, um, back in July 21 because her partner was high risk. She wasn't paid as a result of her decision not to come back into work. She asserted that fear of COVID was a philosophical belief and the tribunal have refused to accept that it is. But you could well understand a different set of circumstances and uh, and um, considerations in relation to other protected characteristics being decided in a different way. But that really remains to be seen. And as cases continue to come through the tribunal process, um, you know, in particular, it's going to take a, a while for those cases to come through. In the Manchester Employment Tribunal, for example, we may not get decisions on cases that are being heard into next year, for example. So it, it's going to be in, an, an interesting period of time for, for us to consider the way in which different tribunals, the... Um, the elect case was decided in Leeds. Um, the X and Y case was decided in Manchester. We'll have to see how different tribunals and judges are going to interpret the particular set of circumstances that employees are going to rely on. James, what, what, what do you think about the... Because obviously it's just hitting tribunals at the moment and there have been some European cases around you know, the Manchester use of COVID um, vaccinations. But from a UK perspective, do you think it will progress further up the, the kind of the legal structure and it will, you know, the European Court of Human Rights, for example, do you think it might go that far eventually? And people, I, I, th- I, mean, I think that, this is in relation to, to the vaccine in the workplace anyway. I, I do you think, think it potentially might do or not go that far? Yeah, I think that that's a possibility. Um, there was, 
judicial review of the uh, of the regulations. There was um, talk about a, a claim back in the summer in relation to challenging the the lawfulness of the uh, regulations at the time. So I, I could well imagine that if the mandatory vaccination regulations weren't under consideration at the minute, then then that would have progressed further, I'm sure. Um, so I can well foresee that there's likely to be challenges that make their way through the domestic courts and into Europe. Um, and, and, and hopefully we'll have some jurisprudence on that in the coming months. You know what's really difficult, though? I mean, if you put yourself in the shoes of a UK business now and they're trying to decide what stance to take with a trickle of cases coming through and nothing, you know, other other cases being listed for late 2022, 2023 in some cases, how, how do you decide how to position things now? And that's the challenge, isn't it? Because without some kind of guidance on that and direction it's so difficult um and people are going based as you touched on earlier thinking about their own ethical position jonathan thinking about their industry but there's just no right or wrong is there which is the challenge no there's not no and and, you know you try and look at what happened previously maybe with the equality act and and the, the development of you know elements of that when they were first introduced and how the before the law kind of adjudicated over it I think employers will will go for the individual perspective. You know, they will assess people individually from a risk assessment perspective. So they'll say, okay, we're now going to do a risk assessment of everybody in the organization. Individually, you have to maybe fill out a form or tell us what the potential risks are of you coming into work or or doing um, the actual role that you're employed to do and do it on an individual basis. So I think it will be a mixture of of, um, voluntarism in terms of taking the vaccine but then risk assessing those individuals who aren't vaccinated to say, are you able to do the job? Because if you think about the pressures on employers, they, especially in the care sector, they're going to have to deal with not only staff members who don't want to be vaccinated or have got concerns around it, so you, you're managing that, but you're managing the, the the patients or the users of the service as well, the staff who, who are effectively supporting them through through their illness or whatever support they need, who might have covid so how on earth do employers get around that? You know, you've got these, you know, they're being pulled in different directions. And and personally, I think the only way they could do it at the moment without the tribunal cases and, and other cases coming through, which will give clear guidance, is through having voluntary policies whereby you educate and you, you kind of inform people about what the vaccinations are. You know, you can signpost them onto the more the scientific side of things. You can um, com- communicate and kind of, maybe myth bust some of the issues around the vaccination that might be out there but allowing the individuals to make an informed decision about it but once that decision has been made if they don't want to be vaccinated they have to have a kind of not a policy but they have to have a clear process around what the repercussions are can they just accept the fact they're not vaccinated or do they have to then have a clear process behind that yeah just just jumping on that education piece that's something that we've worked with our clients on quite closely in that you know vaccine hesitancy um people say they've seen things on social and so forth and as you quite rightly say it's everyone's own decision ultimately of course but we produced a lot of education scientifically based education sessions on an e-learning platform um to provide to our clients and they've pushed that out on an individual basis because i do agree it is very individualistic 
to their staff members and then you know as well that is evidence on a p file to demonstrate they've done that and they've shown support and so forth but that education piece is really important um and encouragement the words you choose as a manager taking the fear out of things that the, the communications the the reassurance is all really key. And, and I think the soft skills of leaders have never been more pertinent than they have been over COVID and, and now, quite honestly. Um, they're absolutely key to the, the way the business moves. So we're helping clients a lot with that, the soft skill side of thing and, and education of, around vaccine hesitancy. What, what do you think the impact, I'll go to James on this one, what do you think the impact, James, is of, of public figures not being vaccinated? They have every right to be not, not vaccinated, but do you think that'll have an impact on on our employers or how um, employees will actually embrace the vaccine? I think it has to. I think the most recent example yesterday, I was listening to an interview with Novak Djokovic, who was uh, expressing a view that he would rather refuse to attend particular tournaments across the across the globe rather than be vaccinated. Um, and that obviously ha- has an impact on, um, the way in which his particular um, vaccination status or view about the vaccine is is, is taken on board. Um, but to broaden that out, I could also think of, you know, putting Novak Djokovic aside for a minute, but there may well be employees within organisations who work in a tennis environment who have to go and attend those tournaments as well there may be considerations for employers and employees in that context who also have to navigate their way through the particular requirements of having to travel across the globe and working out what the um the vaccination requirements are going to be um like in each of those countries that they have to attend and that could be extrapolated out to any number of businesses who have employees on their books who have to travel. So there's, there's much broader implications than just, you know, a tennis player, a, a world champion having to go to particular, uh, tournaments across the globe. But it, 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 it has to have an impact on the way in which vaccination status is, is, is currently being considered by the general public, I'm sure. With the well, jockey video. Sorry, Jonathan, go ahead. No, go on, Kate, it's fine. Go on. I was just going to say, just think about the added layer that will is likely to happen come next week. You know, if if the the government guidance in England, I would stress, not not all jurisdictions, is to lift the requirement to self isolate should you test positive. That's going to bring a whole different conversation about how businesses position that. Do they have a, a contractual term that staff have to self isolate? Do they put in adjustments if someone tests positive? That could be another hour for us or another half hour for us, chaps, which is probably for another day. But that's going to add another dimension if someone is unvaccinated, then test positive, then doesn't have to self-isolate. What does that look like for the employee, colleagues and the business overall? Yeah, I was going to mention this. We've done the research around what's happening in terms of a two-tier system happening now. And it applies to sport and it applies to workplace in terms of the Djokovic example that James has just gone through three players out of the top 100 players are not vaccinated so 97 are vaccinated and three aren't you're going to have tensions you know Rafa Nadal said before before the the tournament that Djokovic wasn't allowed to play him if you're vaccinated you can play and it's that simple and that was his stance and it's the same in the it's the same in the workplace 
you know, we work with um, a lot of local voluntary organisations and working with vulnerable adults or vulnerable children. And their stances, whether it's the government regulations or not, is they want their employees to be vaccinated. It's a clear kind of indication about what might happen. But some staff won't want to be vaccinated. And you're now having this two-tier system of within the workplace, you've got the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And that causes so many issues. You know, it can cause tension in the workplace. And it can also put pressure on people having the vaccination who don't want it. But conversely as well, if people don't want to be vaccinated and you don't have a, a mandatory vaccination policy, then potentially the, the the results or the impact of COVID could increase. And therefore, we might have to go back to some of the draconian measures that have been in place over the last two years. So, again, it's what advice do we give to the employers out there? So to kind of try to bring it all together, Kate and James, what kind of advice do you think employers should be given at the moment around what they can do to support staff but also operate their business as well shall i go first james or you can, you can do yeah of course yeah all right well i think the first thing is as a business you need to sit down and decide what is your view on this you know you've got to form a form of view, haven't you before you actually put anything into place are you taking the view of mandatory vaccinations are you taking the view of encouragement are you taking the position where, you know, you're not even mentioning it because that's will be very business specific, industry specific. Um, it'll be influenced by ethics, by the audience, the customer. So the first thing you, you've, you've got to find your way on that, your view. And some businesses might not be in a position to determine that yet. I think then further to that, then it's about how you communicate that view via policies, via on online communications via meetings with your staff dependent on your business size and explain the rationale for taking that view and 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 why the business has arrived at such and then obviously it takes completely different directions depending on your stance but if it's mandatory vaccinations you need to think about your contractual policies you need to think i would agree jonathan on your individual risk assessments dealing with each case on its own merits and fact specific feeding into what james said about how tribunals are being assessed and decisions arrived at and 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 then follow that through um and the education and the comms around that is just so key um as i touched on earlier you know I, the, the leaders I speak to now, it's not just about processes and operations and it's come on massively over the past two years, forced and, and, and positively forced really by by COVID really and that you've got to be so switched on with your soft skills, your conversational skills, your ability to adapt your conversations and I, I guess that's a lot for me, a lot to consider in, in, in one short segment but... but <laughs> There's a hell of a lot to think about, but your your starting point is what's your, what's your position, um, in a nutshell. So, James, over to you, really, to add and add to that. I, I, well, I don't disagree at all, and you you both made the point um, and and given examples. But the key word for me is proportionality. So, linking it back to the the employment tribunals decisions that we have had, um, the tribunal found in in the elect case that the employer's decision to implement the vaccination policy that it wanted to implement was proportionate because of its legal, its moral, uh, its obligation to protect vulnerable residents, plus its need to continue to have 
insurance cover. So ju- just linking it to to wider business considerations, it, if you if you have to make a decision, you'll need to make a decision based on a policy that is proportionate. And to Jonathan's point about the the three unvaccinated out of a hundred. If the employer can demonstrate through proper record keeping by tracking vaccination status, and that brings into a, another realm of considerations from a data protection perspective, but ensuring um, proper records are kept and that policies are proportionate to that specific business need would be the advice and the way in which I, I would certainly want want employers to be advised through this process. That that's great, and and you know it's it, it is so difficult at the moment to to provide clear guidance when the government even even the government don't know what to do. But um, you know what you've mentioned around um, proportionality. You know that's a great great word to encapsulate what's going to happen. And also, Kate, your your point. What's the what's your stance? You know, if you look at the history of of of, of employment, really, employees are fine as long as they know what the policy is. What's the position of the employer? They're generally okay. The majority will always be okay as long as they know what's going on. That's the kind of the thing that employers need to need to make sure the staff know clearly what their stance is around the vaccination and what they're going to do about it as well. And if, if the staff are aware of it and they're fully informed, then in the main, they will kind of accept things. There'll always be that exception to the rule, but in the main, they will accept it. And in terms of, of, of other things that, that you can do as well as building on what you said, Kate and James, the NHS have got a COVID behavioural change unit, um, which was set up. And they're the using um, behavioural change experts to find out why certain sections of society are not embracing the vaccination. Why do kind of the, the, the black and minority ethnic uh, demographic, why aren't, aren't those groups uh, being vaccinated? What are the issues around it? Is it a cultural thing? Is it related to their religion or belief? So, so the government are doing things, especially with this COVID behavioural change unit, which is a positive thing for them to for, for them to then really direct and instruct what employers are doing. But it will come down to looking at what their stance is and being proportionate around what they do as well. Okay, well, thanks, um, thank Kate as always, and thanks James for coming on the episode today. You're thanks, welcome, Jonathan. Thanks, James. Thank you for having me. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of HR Unpack. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other platforms. Just search for HR Unpacked. If you want to ask a question to myself or Kate on any future episodes of HR Unpacked, click on the link in the episode notes to ask us any questions, as well as being able to download the free episode guide on mandatory vaccinations. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other platforms. Just search for HR Unpacked. HR Unpacked is sponsored by Peninsula, providers of professional services to small businesses across the UK. Their services go beyond employment law and HR to cover health and safety management, insurance, employee well-being and much more besides. Peninsula service is always provided by a hand-picked team of experts so you can be sure you're getting the best, all of which means more peace of mind for you and more time for you to concentrate on what you do best, growing your business. Established and headquartered right here in Manchester, they now provide services to small businesses in Ireland, Australia, New Zealand and Canada, meaning that more people than ever are protected by Peninsula.